Welcome to The Rock Church and World Outreach Center. We pray that this message will strengthen and encourage you. Now, here's a message from Pastor Dan Roth. Amen, amen. Today, as you have a seat, get your Bibles out and go with me to Acts chapter number 17. We are continuing the story of us. This is our story. This is you and this is me. Not just a history lesson. This is what God wants to do in our lives here and now. If I can just remind you of where we've been in the book of Acts in chapter 16, Paul and Silas went down to Philippi. There in Philippi, uh, they had some fruit, some things were taking place. A young girl gets delivered, and all of a sudden, Paul and Silas find themselves in prison. God does something miraculous in delivering them from that, but as well, last time we were together, you remember that they were able to be released, that they used their natural rights in order to get spiritual results. And as they were leaving, they went and visited their friends, and then when they were getting ready, they headed on out. Acts chapter 17, verse number 1 through verse number 15 picks up that story as they continue their travels. I'm going to just summarize it for you all today. Is that okay? Come on online. Is that okay? Because you guys got to be interactive with this, right? And so here they are, and they're traveling. They find themselves going to the capital of Macedonia. Okay, it's a place called Thessalonica. Modern day, you can still go to a place called Thessaloniki, which is modern day Thessalonica. You guys know this place because you probably read First and Second Thessalonians, right? And that's where the letters were written to. It'd be like us saying, you know what, we're going to reach California for Jesus. We need to plant a strategic and significant church. And so we said, hey, let's go to the capital city. Let's head on up to Sacramento. And from there, maybe we can reach out to other parts of the area. So here they are in this strategic place. Here they are in a place that I believe that God is leading them. Because while they're there, Paul does what Paul does, and he goes to the synagogue. For three weeks, he teaches them from the scriptures and shows them that Jesus Christ is the one who was prophesied of, that he is the Messiah. Many people believe, many Jews believe, many Greeks also believe. And in fact, the Bible points out that there were prominent women who got saved as well. I love how God elevates womanhood in the kingdom of God. You know, in the fall that was lost, and woman was placed under her husband in his authority. And that still stands in the natural. But in the kingdom of God, in the spirit, we are equal heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. And God elevates womanhood there in the Bible. Aren't you glad for that? That that wasn't lost, but that was redeemed in Jesus Christ. And so here, things are happening. But something else happens. Just like it had in Lystra and Derby, now persecution comes to Thessalonica. Some of the Jews get envious and they go down to the marketplace and they, they find some of the guys from Stan and Lean Incorporated. You know who they are? They're the guys standing on a corner, leaning on a pole, right? They got nothing better to do. And so they go and they grab those guys and they say, come on, there's something happening. We need to be angry. And so they say, oh, we need to be angry, right? Let's go. And so they run out there and they incite a mob. They go and they try and find Paul, and they can't find him, but they go to this house where he'd been at, the house of a guy by the name of Jason. Jason, they drag him out, they drag him before the magistrates, and they level accusations about all the trouble that's happening in their city, and the, the magistrates let him go, but not before they make Jason post bail. Jason's like, I don't even know what I did, but here's the money, I'm out, right? The believers send Paul and Silas by night out of the city for their own protection. Here they keep traveling and they go about 45 miles away and find themselves in a place called Berea. There in Berea, they do the same thing that they did in Thessalonica. They go to the, the, the synagogue, they talk to the Jews, they open up the scriptures, but the people in Berea are very receptive, very open, and once again, a lot of Jews, a lot of Greeks, and a lot of prominent women get saved again. Now, the people of Thessalonica, that mob, that mean mob that was up there, they get wind that they're down there in Berea doing the same thing. And so they travel from Thessalonica to Berea 
just for the one purpose, to stir up crowds and to come against the message of the gospel. And so they persecute Paul and Silas once again in that place. And so the believers sent Paul across the sea over into Greece. And there, Timothy, Silas, and the company stayed to continue the work that had been started there in the church. Now, one of the most beloved statements of Christians is found in this passage of Scripture. It's one of the most, uh, if you will, quoted content of Christians about what our purpose is and what we're here to do. I want to read it to you in Acts chapter 17, verse number 6, and it actually comes from the accusation leveled against them by the mob. Look at what it says in Acts chapter 17, verse number 6. It says, but when they did not find them, they dragged Jason and some brethren to the rulers of the city, crying out. Are you ready? Here's the accusation that they said. This, this is what they said in a court of law that these guys were doing that was wrong. They said, these who have turned the world upside down have come here too. That was their criticism. That was their accusation. In fact, the title of today's specific message is Turning the World Upside Down. Because when I read this section of Scripture, and specifically when I think about this statement, was this really an accurate statement? Well, according to what we know, no, it wasn't accurate. They're not turning the world upside down. They're turning the world right side up. Are you listening? Because the world was turned upside down at the fall. Everything that we had, we lost at the fall. Our position with God, the unity and union and communion with God, it, walking in the garden and experiencing his presence, that was all lost. The authority that we had was now handed over. The devil became the prince of the power of the air. He has authority and rulership, and all that was lost at the fall. Whereas, you know, this perfect environment, this garden that God had placed man in, now the ground was going to produce thistles and thorns. The co-heir equal part in the kingdom now was lost in the fall, and that woman had pain in childbirth, and she would come under the headship of her husband. See, the world was turned upside down at that point, but in Jesus Christ now, we come into his kingdom where things are turned right side up once again. We're not turning the world upside down. We're turning it the right way. So this accusation isn't exactly accurate. But then I thought about this. Is it, is it false? Well, no. I don't think it's false either. Why? Because think about it from their perspective. Everything they've known. Everything they've been raised up and everything that they've grown up in now is being turned on its head. And isn't Christ's kingdom an upside-down kingdom according to what the world has to say? You know, in the kingdom of God, the way up is down and the way down is up. What? What's that all about? No, whoever humbles himself will be exalted. But whoever exalts himself in pride, arrogance, right? Look at me, everybody. He will be humbled. You'll be brought low. Jesus said, to enter this kingdom, you must be born again. Wait a second. That makes no sense. I can't crawl again into my mother's womb and come back out. No, you can't. It's a spiritual thing that takes place, and it has to happen. See, it's an upside-down kingdom. Whoever wants to be great in the kingdom of God must become your servant. Wait, the servants aren't the great ones. It's the presidents. It's the military leaders. It's the politicians. It's the entertainers. It's the sports figures. No, no, no. It's the people cleaning up after the game. It's the people wiping down counters and sweeping streets. It's the people that are going out there, wrapping themselves in a towel, and ministering to their brothers. If you want to be great in the kingdom, you must become a servant. See, everything's upside down. And when we bring that kingdom to the earth, we're turning the world upside down. Did you know that the systems around us, San Bernardino, the Inland Empire, California, 
Oh, and even the United States. We need to bring this kingdom to our land, to our area of influence. This world needs to be turned upside down. And it's going to take a people who believe God. It's going to take you, and it's going to take me, but it's going to take some things. What will it take to turn the world upside down? See, I believe if you get a hold of this message today, you're going to turn some things on their head. I believe that things are going to get turned right side up, if you will, from our perspective, and there's going to be other people that are going to cry out and say, whoa, you're turning the world upside down all around me. But what's it going to take? It's going to take some things on our part. It's going to take it from you. It's going to take it from me. What will it take to turn the world upside down? First thing is this. It's going to take the proclamation of Jesus Christ. It's going to take declaring the good news that Jesus came, God in the flesh, that he lived the perfect, spotless, sinless life, that he went to a cross and he suffered and he died. He went to the grave and was buried, but on the third day, Sunday morning, while the sun rose, the sun rose. Come on, Jesus is alive, and he's ascended and seated at the right hand of the Father. It's going to take the declaration and the proclamation of Jesus Christ. That's what it's going to take. The other day, I was headed here into the office. I had a meeting going on, and so I was all dressed, ready to go. Had my bag over my shoulder with my computer in it, and I'm getting ready to walk out my back door and go to my garage. I have a detached garage, and so as I walk out of the back door, I look up, and the winds are blowing. The sky opens up. A flash of lightning goes across the sky and lights everything. It was already bright. It lit everything up brighter. I started counting. Anybody count when you see lightning? Am I the only weird one in the place? Okay, a couple of other weird people. All right, good. Good. These are my people right here. You count. Why? Because you want to know how far away that thing was. So I'm like, one, two. Three, it's only four miles away. All of a sudden, torrential downpour. The rain just cut like stinging rain, you know what I'm saying? Where it's coming down, but then it hits so hard it comes back up. And it goes like that, and then all of a sudden, it starts bouncing, and these little balls of hail start coming out. And I needed to go to work, but I'm like, oh, hail, no, I'm not going out in that. There ain't no way I'm driving. My daughter comes out of her door. She had her sliding glass door. She, she opens up, and she's looking, and she's just like this. I'm, going, I'm like, mm-mm. And she's like, nah, nah, we ain't doing this, right? She goes back inside. I go back inside. I told Jess, I said, I'm going to be late to my meeting. I don't know what's going to happen. And so we watched the rain for a while, and we were, ended up going in later when it stopped. But it stopped me in my tracks. Stopped me. It arrested me. It, 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 it detoured my life for a moment. But look at what happens when the gospel comes, when the proclamation of Jesus Christ goes out. First Thessalonians chapter number one, verse number eight. I'm going to read this to you in the Amplified Bible, all right? You can read along in whatever translation you have. First Thessalonians, this is what Paul wrote to the people that he administered to in Thessalonica. First Thessalonians chapter one, verse number eight in the Amplified says this. It says, for the word of the Lord has resounded from you, look at this, and has echoed like thunder. Not only in Macedonia and in Achaia, but in every place the news of your great faith in God has spread so that we never need to say anything about it. Don't you just love the reputation that they have? People would hear about them and they say, oh, Thessalonians? Man, those are people of faith right there. Oh, my goodness. Why? Because the gospel went out and did what? It echoed like thunder. They heard the good news that the Messiah has come. His name is Jesus. These scriptures are pointing to the man who came, who died, and he was raised into life, and they stopped them in their tracks. It was like thunder, and now it's echoing all over the world. And I believe that when we get a hold of the gospel, it changes our life. 
Some of you guys remember the first time you heard the good news that Jesus died for your sins. You remember that you were in such a pit that you couldn't get yourself out of. Some of us were addicted to drugs. Some of us to pornography. Some of us to self. Some of us to money. But you were in a pit that you couldn't get out of. And now you heard the gospel. You heard that Jesus died for your sins and that he was raised so you could be raised with him. And it stopped you. It arrested you. It changed the course of your entire life. And that same message, that same gospel, even if you were raised all your life in church, there probably was a day where you heard that Jesus was your healer and it changed your life. You heard that Jesus was your deliverer and then it changed your life. You heard that Jesus as Savior, just the penny dropped at that moment and all of a sudden your life was never the same. Why? Because the proclamation of Jesus Christ went out. For some of you, is that Jesus is your brother. For some of you, is that God is your father. For some of you, is that we have a friend And Jesus didn't have any friends in the world. They all turned their back and left. But Jesus walked in and stayed. Wow, it changed your life. And it thundered in your soul. That same message is the same message that as you declare it to the people in your sphere of influence, to the people out there in the world, to your family members, to your coworkers, to your neighbors, to your relatives. My goodness, it's going to echo like thunder. And people are going to be arrested and stopped in their tracks in awe of the good news of Jesus Christ. If you know Romans chapter 1, verse number 16, why don't you quote it with me? I'll put it up on the overheads. Come on, even online, you can say this with us. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. Aaron, who a lot of you guys know here at the Rock Church and World Outreach Center, does our social media. Maybe you saw him taking pictures up here earlier on. Just a wonderful man of God. About three years ago, he posted about a man by the name of Timothy. Let me introduce you to Timothy. Timothy came to the Rock Church and World Outreach Center. We got his story. He was a drug addict. He was a drug dealer. He was an alcoholic. But he was also very sick. He had a tumor in his brain that he was battling for eight years. And at this one particular time, they thought he was a stroke victim, and they took him into the hospital. There in the hospital, they measured that tumor that was around his brain that had wrapped around his brainstem, was causing him migraines, very painful. And they found out that it had swelled up four times of its normal size. There in the hospital, he had been given a diagnosis of death, but he had a praying mama that came here to the Rock Church and World Outreach Center. And as mama was coming into the church service one day, she was passed by a man who walked by her and stopped and turned around and came back to her. And he said, ma'am, God told me to tell you that God in his word promises healing and that healing is coming. And indeed, healing did come to Timothy. Timothy walked out of that hospital room still alive. And Timothy, one Sunday night in October of 2018, walked into the Rock Church and World Outreach Center, heard our youth pastor, Pastor Richard Villanueva, preach the word of God, and came and walked the aisle, got down on his knees, and started weeping before the Lord. Our great youth pastor came down off of the platform and knelt down and prayed with Timothy. And you can see on Timothy's arm, he still is wearing the hospital band around his arm to remind him that even though he was given a diagnosis of death, that God had spoken something over him and he'd been given life in Jesus Christ. Wow. Wow. That's what happens when we proclaim the gospel 
of Jesus Christ. You need to proclaim it. You need to tell others. You need to tell your friends, your neighbors, your relatives. Tell the people that you don't like. Why? Because they'll become the people that you love when you tell them about Jesus. Jesus can change anything. He makes all things new. And it's the power of God that goes forth from your mouth. It will thunder and it will echo all over the world. What's it going to take to turn the world upside down? Number one is the proclamation of Jesus Christ. Second thing is this, is the sound teaching of the scriptures, the sound teaching of the scriptures, sound meaning stable, steady, mature, the sound teaching of the scriptures. There was a Bible college student on his first day of school, went into his first class. He didn't realize it, but there in the class, the instructor prided himself in pontificating every time wanted to show off how much he knew about the Word of God. And especially on the first day, he would teach a lesson from Genesis to Revelation and back. Oh, my goodness, he had these students wound up, had their heads spinning, had them just confused. He's talking about all the things that he knew from the Word of God, and he just dumped it all on them like taking a drink out of a fire hose. There the students would walk out bewildered and wondering what they just heard and how their college experience was going to be. And this professor would stand at the door and watch them as they walked out. He just took the light in it. And this student was walking out of his first day, first class in school, just shaking his head like, whoa, what just happened? And the instructor saw him there at the end of the line. He said, what did you think of the lesson today? And the student stammered and kind of stood back and said, well, uh, um, it, it reminded me of the peace of God and of the love of God. And the professor loved this evaluation of his lesson. And so he said, what, what was it about the lesson that, that reminded you of the peace of God and the, and the love of God? And so the student looked at me and said, well, it was like the peace of God because it surpassed all understanding. And it was like the love of God because it endured forever. <laughs> See, we need the sound teaching of the Scriptures. We need the Word of God. You know, at the Rock Church World Outreach Center, we try and bring it to you in profound simplicity. Why? Because we're simple people, right? We're here in the IE. We're not, you know, maybe the most educated bunch. And that's cool, right? I got, a, I got an associate's degree. That's about as high as I went. I was like, we're done. We're good here. I'm going to go get my pastoral studies somewhere else, you know. But we're not doing that in the world. Why? Because we don't care about the letters. We care about the truth. And I don't want somebody to pontificate and preach something that goes over my head. I want to get something when I hear the Word of God. And that doesn't mean you shouldn't get educated. That doesn't mean that if you have letters behind your name that that's bad. No, that's good. Go for it. Cool. If you got that, you got that. But you should still come into church and understand what's being preached from the pulpits. That's why we put pictures up on the overhead. Anybody like pictures on the overhead? I like pictures on the overheads. You want to know why I like that? Because I learn visually. I'm one of those guys that if I can see it, I understand it better. You know, you start talking about some obscure thing. I'm like, okay, yeah, all right, cool, right? But then you show a picture, and I'm like, ah, that's it, okay, right? Some of us are tactile learners. That's why we say take notes, write stuff down, type it out, right? Some of us uh, got to be involved in something in order to learn it. Do you ever wonder why I'm constantly saying, can somebody say amen? Do you think I need your adulations and your applause? That's not for me. That's for you. Why? Because some of you guys were kind of daydreaming, all right? I'm not looking at anybody right now. Some of you guys were drifting off. <laughs> And all of a sudden, you hear Pastor Jan say, somebody say amen. You say, oh, amen, amen, amen. Why? Because you're like, what did he just say? Oh, oh, that's what he said. Oh, actually, that is a good point. Yeah, amen, right? 
That's, that's why we're doing it. That's why I'm getting on the Bible online. Listen, don't be brain dead. Type it in the comment section. Come on, yell it at your TV. Shout, shout your television down. It's okay. Why? Because we want you to get this. We want you to get the word of God. What are we doing if we don't get the word of God? We might as well go home after the music because we just had the Holy Ghost goosebumps and we got tickled with the word. And all of a sudden now we're going to walk out of here and live however we want to live. No, we're going to come into this place and get the word of God, get it deep down on the inside of us. And it's going to change us, rearrange us, and move us into action. Let me show this to you in the word of God in Deuteronomy, okay? Keep your place in Acts chapter 17. We'll come back there in a minute. But, but find the fifth book of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and then Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter number 4 and verse number 1. Deuteronomy 4.1, it's on page 127 in my Bible. You're welcome. Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 1. Let's take a look at this together. I'm talking about the profound simplicity, the sound teaching of the Scriptures. Deuteronomy 4.1 says, Now, O Israel, listen to the statutes and the judgments which I Teach. Everybody say teach. Come on, shout it at me. Say teach. Type it in the comment section online. Teach. Which I teach you to observe, that you may live. How many think that's pretty important, right? He says, I'm teaching you this so that you can live. It's no different with us. Why do we teach the Bible every time we get together? So that you may live. Notice I never say open up your internet browsers to this blog. Never. Never. What do we say? The Bible. You guys got your Bible. You got your word. You got the turn off notifications of other things that will distract you from the Bible. It is the profound teaching, the sound teaching of the scriptures. I teach you that you may live. Look at this. And go into possess the land which the Lord God of your fathers is giving you. There were promises that were given to Israel that without the teaching of the word of God, they wouldn't get. Do you know that there are promises in the scriptures for your life? And without the teaching, you're not going to get the promise. That's why we teach you every time. But this is only half of the equation. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 1. Just one page over. Deuteronomy chapter 5 and verse number 1. Look at it with me. And Moses called all Israel and said to them, Hear, O Israel, the statutes and the judgments which I speak in your hearing today. That sounds very much like Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 1, doesn't it? But he, he, he starts to veer off a little bit in what he says. He says, which I speak in your hearing today, that you may learn. Everybody say learn. Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 1, he said teach. Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 1, he says that you may learn. Learn them and be careful to observe them or do them. Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 1, teach. Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 1, learn. We think of those as two different things. But I looked this up in the original language in the Hebrew, right? I don't speak Hebrew. Most of you don't speak Hebrew in this place. But a simple search on the Strong's Concordance or online, you know, search, you can find out what these words mean. And so I was looking these words up, and I found out something that is amazing. In Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 1, the word teach. And in Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 1, the word learn, in the original language, are one and the same word. That means that when... I teach, you learn, we're doing the same thing. Did you guys get a hold of that right now? 
That means that you cannot come to church and leave this place and say, well, I didn't really get anything out of the message today. Pastor Dan just must have been off. I mean, like he didn't have enough stories for me. And I'm, I'm a guy that I like a lot of scripture, and he only had three. And so, like, I just, I didn't get anything. I, he must not be praying enough. He must not be good enough teacher. You know, I like those teachers online and those other guys. No, 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 no. I teach. You learn. I teach. You learn. Oh, you're still not convinced? Acts chapter 17. Turn there with me. Acts chapter number 17. Paul has left Thessalonica, and he goes to Berea. Acts chapter 17, verse number 11. In Berea, it says this. It says, these, the Bereans, were more fair-minded than those in Thessalonica. Some of your translations say noble. Some of your translations say open-minded. They were more fair-minded than those in Thessalonica. Why? In that they received the word, how? With all readiness. Can I ask you something? Were you ready for the word today? Or did you just roll out of bed and say, oh, i got to get to church, and you rushed here? Forgot your Bible. Didn't pray. Didn't think about bringing a notebook or something to take notes on. See, these people were more fair-minded. Why? Because they received the word with all readiness. That Sabbath morning, they probably woke up and said, God, I want to hear your voice. God, I'm seeking you. God, i got to get something out of the word today. Give me something from the scripture. Then when Paul came and he started opening and expounding on the scripture, talking about Jesus is the Messiah, they said, whoa, this is the word of the Lord. They received it with all readiness. Look at what the verse goes on to say. And searched the scriptures how often? Oh, my goodness. Every day. Not just on the Sabbath day. Not just on Sunday. Every day. Daily they were searching the scriptures. What were they searching for? Look at what it goes on to say. Search the scriptures daily to find out whether these things were so. They didn't just take Paul's word for it. They said, Paul, if you're saying that Jesus is the Messiah, then I'm going to look at the life of Jesus, but I'm also going to go and examine the scriptures, and I'm going to see if this suffering servant is, oh, wait, 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 wait. There he is in Isaiah chapter 52 and 53. Oh, my goodness, that's him. I'm going to see what you're saying, Paul, if it's really true, if it really is the word of God. See, don't just come into church and take my word for it. That's lazy Christianity. Paul said to the people of Corinth, he said, follow me as I follow Christ. In other words, if I'm not following Christ, don't follow. Listen, your pastor is a man living in a flesh body who still has a mind, will, and emotions of his own, still lives in a fallen body. I am a saint. I'm a man of God. I'm under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost when I'm up here. But listen, do you think that there are times where I might miss the mark? Absolutely. Not perfect, and neither are you. None of us are until we go and be with him and we get a new body and we're perfected. We haven't already attained. So if I'm up here and I start saying, if I get off, listen, don't follow me. You follow Christ. Pray for me. Right? Pray for me. I realize that I'm under authority too. But don't follow. Follow me as I follow Christ. Whatever you hear me speak in the scriptures, I want you to go home and look those things up. When I say read on your own, 1 Thessalonians chapter number 17, verse 1 through 15, sometime during the week you ought to read and see whether or not I told the story right. Hello? Because if I say something wrong, don't go with what I say. Go with what God says. Is anybody listening today? Come on, give God a praise. There was a young lady that grew up, gave her heart to the Lord in Sunday school. Just loved her Bible. Every day she'd wake up and hug her Bible and she'd kiss her Bible and she'd read the word. But after a period of time in her teenage years, her eyesight started to fail. 
And so she would bring the Bible very close and she'd read the Bible like this every day. She'd continue to hug it and kiss it. But finally, in her young adulthood, her eyes dimmed and she went completely blind. She wasn't able to read the Word of God any longer until she decided that she was going to do something about that and she learned Braille. Started to read the Word with her fingers every day. She would continue to hug her Bible and kiss her Bible and she'd read it with her fingers. But she had to make ends meet. She had to make a living for herself and she went out and got a job as a seamstress sewing. And the work was hard and oftentimes she'd prick her fingers because she was blind. Oftentimes she'd have to feel the material and it rubbed her fingers raw every day. Eventually her fingers got so callous that as she would sit down to read her Bible, she couldn't even feel the bumps on the page any longer. She decided to do something about that and so she started to sand down the calluses on her fingers but it didn't work. It just brought more pain. It was actually painful to try and read the Word of God, and she couldn't feel it. It was so painful that she was numb. She was past feeling now. And there, she was so frustrated that she couldn't read the Word of God that tears started to stream down her face. She cried out to God as she was praying. She said, God, I can't see your Word anymore to read it. I can't feel with my fingertips anymore to read it. And God, I guess I'm just going to have to say goodbye to your word. And so she hugged her Bible one more time, and she brought the page to her lips and kissed it. And as she kissed it, she felt with her lips the words, the gospel of St. Mark. And she realized, and she cried out once again to God, but this time with joy in her heart, saying, God, if I can't read your word with my eyes, and if I can't read your word with my fingers, and God, every day I'm going to kiss your word, and I'm going to read your word with my lips. Listen, church, we need to kiss the word of God each and every day of our life. We need to get this. We need to love this word. We need the sound teaching of the scriptures. Why? Because it's the word of God that will turn your world right side up according to what God says. And when you tell others the word of God, when you teach your children, when you tell your family, when you start to declare the word of God, it's going to turn their world upside down. That's what it's going to take. It's going to take the proclamation of Jesus Christ and the sound teaching of the scriptures. Last thing, last thing is this. It's going to take the persistence through persecution. I didn't think that I was going to get any amens on that, and I'm, I'm okay with that, honestly. It's all right. Nobody wants to endure persecution, do we? And yet this is a reoccurring theme all throughout the New Testament. In fact, in the book of Acts, how many times were the apostles persecuted? How many times did Paul go from Lystra to Derby to now Philippi to Thessalonia, right? Thessalonica to Berea. What followed him everywhere? Persecutions. I believe that was probably his thorn in the flesh. If you will, it was a buffeting that came against him, lest he be exalted above measure. That there was an attack of Satan, a thorn in the flesh that was given him. And yet God said, my grace is sufficient for you. You can endure every trial, every pressure, every problem, every persecution that comes to you. How? By the power of the Holy Spirit and by the grace of God. But you're going to have to endure. You're going to have to go through trials. Look at what it says in 1 Thessalonians, this time in verse number 3 and 4 of chapter 3. I'm going to read this to you in the easy version, all right? I love the fact that they call it the easy version. It's easy to read, all right? 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 3 and 4 in the easy version. Look at what it says. It says, you are receiving many troubles. We did not want anyone among you to turn away from Christ because of that. You already know that we who are believers must receive troubles like that. Verse 3, even when we were there with you, we told you that troubles would come. Now, now, get a hold of this next sentence. We told you before the troubles came, and now it has really happened. You know that this is true. Notice he says, we told you before. Why? 
Why scare them? I mean, here you've got somebody that says, oh, yeah, Jesus is alive. Jesus loves me. I can be forgiven of sin. Yay! Right? And they say, yay, you're going to be persecuted. What? Like, don't you think you should have led with that? Like, I mean, come on. I'm going to be persecuted. Why? If I'm doing everything right, why do I get everything bad? If I'm doing good, why should I receive evil? And yet, Jesus and all the apostles warned us of this, didn't they? Jesus said, it. no man is above his master. If they hated me, they're going to hate you. It's going to happen, guys, because you're of your father God, and their father, the devil, doesn't like you. So he's going to stir them up against you. Persecutions will come. Jesus said, in the world, you will have trouble. My goodness, it's a promise from God. The apostle Paul told the Ephesian elders, it's through many trials and tribulations that we must enter the kingdom of God. We, we didn't find Jesus on easy street. We found him on suffering street. We found him on sorrowful way. And when you follow Jesus, you're following him down those lanes. He wasn't there unburdened, just running around in a field of daisies, picking flowers and falling down and making angels in the snow. No, we found Jesus with a cross on his back and thorns on his brow and blood dripping down off of him. That's how we found Jesus was the suffering servant who bore our sin on the cross. And he says, if you're going to follow me, take up your cross. Mm, What's that mean? You're going to have to suffer. You're going to have to go through it. But listen, church, you're going to go through it. You're going to make it. I love how Charles Spurgeon said it was by persistence that the snail reached the ark. Come on, somebody. There is a long journey ahead of us. It may be arduous. It may be an uphill battle. But by the power and the grace of God, you're going to make it through every trial. When your neighbors shout at you and say, don't preach at me. When your family slaps you upside your head and says, hey, we knew you when you were little. We wiped your butt, right? When they're coming against you and coming at you. When your boss on the job lies about you and said you were preaching the gospel on your work hours when you were on your break. And you get fired because of it. Realize that these things are going to take place. It's going to happen, you guys. But if you know beforehand, then when it happens, you won't be like, oh, God, why me? What's going on? No, you're going to be like, I knew this was going to take place. Bring it on. I can make it. I can take it. I'm going to go through this. Because really, Acts chapter 17, verse 1 through 15 is the story of two cities. One searched for Paul to persecute him. The other searched the scriptures to prove them. One screamed that the world was turning upside down while the other quietly listened and considered the truth. One sought men to be brought to their cause. The other sought the scriptures to come to Christ's cause. They were turning the world right side up, and yet the people thought of it as troubling. When we try to do good, it will be attacked. Just like Cain and Abel, 1 John tells us that Cain persecuted Abel. Why? Because Abel's deeds were righteous, but Cain's were evil. They were contrary to the ways of God, and so he murdered his own brother. And then in the very next sentence, the next breath, he says, don't be surprised when the world hates you. You're going to do good. You're going to do right. You're going to do God's way. You're going to get a hold of the proclamation of Jesus Christ, the sound teaching of the Scriptures. Get ready, because it will be resisted. You will be attacked, but you're going to make a church. You've got God on your side. You can go through it. William Wilberforce was discouraged one night in the early 1790s after another defeat in his 10-year battle against the slave trade in England. Tired and frustrated, he opened his Bible and began to leap through it. A small piece of paper fluttered out and fell to the floor. It was a letter written by John Wesley shortly before his death. Wilberforce read it again, and here's what it said. It said, unless the divine power has raised you up, I see not how you can go through your glorious enterprise in opposing that abominable practice of slavery, which is the scandal of religion, of England, and of human nature. 
Unless God has raised you up for this very thing, you will be worn out by the opposition of men and devils. But if God be for you, who can be against you? Are all of them together stronger than God? Oh, be not weary of well-doing. Go in the name of God and in the power of his might. And Wilberforce went on to see the slavery and the slave trade abolished in England through what? Through persistent persecution. He persevered through the trial and saw God move and abolish slavery in England. Wow. Come on. Isn't God good? There are plenty more stories like this throughout Christendom and throughout history. And yet, God is writing your story. He's writing mine. What are the trials that you're facing? What are the things that you need to be equipped with? It's going to be in the scriptures. You're going to find it in the sound teaching of God's word. Go search it this week. Go find it this week. And go tell someone about Jesus that changed your life. And turn the world that you live in upside down. And as you're reading those scriptures, by the way, just take a moment and pray and say, God, what are you speaking to me through this? Have a ready heart. Have an open heart like the Bereans that says, God, I'm ready to receive. God, I'm going to search these scriptures and find out if what Pastor Dan said was true. I'm going to go see whether or not this is real, whether or not I can turn the world upside down. And watch as God leads you into greater anointing, greater blessing, greater wisdom and knowledge and grace than ever before. Come on today, if you got something from the Word of God, would you give God a great big praise? Come on, let's celebrate our King Jesus today. Hallelujah. Thank you for listening to the Rock Church and World Outreach Center. If this message spoke to you, please share it with us. We'd love to hear from you. You can find more information at www.rockchurch.com.